Welcome to the Like Dragons Did They Fight audio series. I'm here with the coolest couple. I'm excited for you to get to know them and to hear a little bit about their story. They're involved and very passionate about healing marriage and healing trauma. They're involved and with their journey to life-changing services and how they discovered the resources here, they are becoming involved heavily and in are the directors of the Men in Moroni program that we run, our addiction recovery program for men. And so I'm just going to turn the time over to you, Luke and Alana, and you can decide who goes first. But if you guys could just introduce yourselves, let us know a little bit about who you are. Go ahead. Alana, you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I think I'll let you go first. All right. Sounds good. What was the, what was the first question, Karen? So just tell us a little bit about you. What kind of, what do you like to do? A little bit about your family. What's cool about you? That kind of stuff. I think that's probably it. What's uh, what We ask this question of Men and I often. In fact, every time we start off the meeting, but the question is asked is, why are you awesome? And, uh, and that question for me, along with a lot of other men, was really intimidating because, first of all, I, I didn't really feel like I was when I first started this journey of, of healing and and uh, so what makes me awesome is, is I married a, I really married a really, I married up is what I did. So, and uh, married my wife and I think I'm awesome because somehow I convinced her that she should marry me. And I don't know if I caught her on a bad six months or seven months, but it, it worked well. It turned out well for me. And uh, one of the other reasons I'm awesome is because we have five kids and we've We've managed to convert them all to Seahawks fans. So uh, we spent 10 years in Seattle, and they are all, all of them are diehard Seahawks fans. In fact, I'll wear my jersey and come down the, the stairs, and, and they'll literally start to chant Seahawks, 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 even including our, our two-year-old and our four-year-old, which is pretty fun to watch. So yeah. I guess what makes me awesome is, is my family. So That's incredible. Okay, Alana? Hi, I'm Alana. So I, Luke and I have been married for now ugh, 14 years. He knows better than I do. I think 14. We have five kids. They range from 12 down to two. They keep us incredibly busy. And um, when we're not with kids or doing church stuff, we are very passionately involved in Men and Moroni. And if someone would have kind of given me a glimpse of what my life would have looked like, five years ago and showed me this, I wouldn't have believed any of it. So um, it's been an interesting path to get here, but um, here we are. And what's, what's awesome about you, Alana? What do you like to do? Oh, what's awesome about me? Um, oh, that's a hard one. Um, I am awesome because I um because I am willing to never give up. Life will knock me down and I will get back up and it will knock me down and I will get back up. Um, so I'm awesome because I'm pretty darn resilient. That is awesome. All right. So could we just start with you guys telling us a little bit about how did you notice, hey, we are having some trauma here in our lives and we need some support. How did that all come out? And then what brought you to find the resources at Life Changing Services? Tell us a little bit about your backstory and 
this is a, an interview about healing and what you would want other people to know about your story. Do you want me to go? Do you want me to start it and you can fill in as I, as I miss stuff? Sure. Okay. So um, our backstory is, is, like Alana said, we got married 15 years ago. We got married, both came from very um, strong LDS families. Um, I don't know if this necessarily applies or anything, but came from families where both of our dads were bishops at the same time. Very strong background. I think for me personally, that was one of the things was, is because I grew up in a really strong family, I knew what right was and what wrong was. And uh, so when I made mistakes, it was, it caused some chaos because I didn't completely understand the atonement. But the reason I mentioned that is, is when we got married, uh, my wife, Alana, she actually married uh, somebody who was addicted to pornography and addicted to masturbation. And at that time, I didn't necessarily know I, I was addicted. I didn't even really know what that term was, but I carried that into, into our, our marriage. And she wasn't aware of that. I told her um, briefly about some stuff when we got married. She didn't know what she was getting herself into. And I, I came from a place where I thought, among other things in previous, whether it was a mission, whether it was callings or whatever it was, that marriage should fix this problem. And come to find out that marriage for me actually made it even harder because now it brought somebody else into the equation, the problem, and, and multiplied it exponentially. So as we went on, um, it was started with masturbation and pornography being my addiction to, it is an insatiable, I call it a disease, but where it has no appetite that will be quenched. And Satan, because being raised in a gospel family, which, which is great, but me feeling like I needed to be perfect, I needed to be the ultimate example because I was an older brother, callings that I held. When I made mistakes and fell back into my addiction, I didn't, I didn't come forth. And I didn't say, hey, here's something that I'm struggling with. Because I felt, one, that if I did, that nobody would love me because um, they knew what I was really doing. They couldn't. It wouldn't even be possible for them to because, uh, and they wouldn't, they'd be ashamed of me because of the choices I was making and I didn't do anything about it. So there came a point where it didn't just, unfortunately it wasn't just the masturbation of pornography. It went above and beyond to acting out with other people. And I just eventually over a very long period of time of hiding about seven years ago, I told my wife after she confronted me that I, that I had looked at pornography and that was seven years ago, but I've been knowing a lot of other stuff beyond that. I told her that and kind of tried to get better, but mostly just felt caught. But you know, go ahead. I was just going to say that I, when he came out the first time, I thought going to the bishop and a recovery meeting or two would fix it. And so he went to the bishop and he went to a recovery meeting maybe two or three times. And so I thought we were good. I thought that that's what it took. And we would check in with each other and I'd say, hey, how you doing? And he's like, I'm good. I'm fine. And so I just, I thought we were. And so we continued on that path of me thinking everything was okay for another six or seven years. And that's a good, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. I, for me, when I saw the bishop, I thought I was now good, right? So, but what would happen is, is I would make, because it was an addiction and because it was something that spiraled out of control, I couldn't do it on my own, not even with just seeing a bishop. 
so unfortunately for a, for a, a while I was good at white knuckling it and then I'd make a mistake, but I didn't, I didn't share it with anybody. Um, so Alana would ask me that question and I would go back to the same lies that Satan was telling me, which is, see, you're right back in it. You know what I mean? You haven't changed. You're the same guy. Like, man, now that you've, now that you've already shared it once, if you shared it again, everything's over. There's no way your marriage will stay intact. You can't deal with that pain. You can't take that pain. And I would like to say that I would tell her that it was about her and she couldn't take that pain really, but it was about me not having to face her being frustrated and other people being frustrated and angry at me. So um, in 2014, June 26, 2014, Alana found pornography on my phone again. And this was after she thought everything was fine. After what was that, Alana, seven years, seven years worth of thing being fine. But I continued to live a, a, a double life above and beyond pornography. And she sent me an email and an email. And Alana has always been very connected to God. Very. She mentioned before that she, when she gets knocked down, she stands back up. That's not just the, the choices that I've made that have knocked her down. It's life in general. So she sent me an email one day and an email was titled us. And she said, Hey Luke, I've found pornography on your phone again. And she's like, I can take anything, but I can't take the lies. She's like, I can take the truth, but I can't take the lies anymore. And she's like, and by the way, have you ever been unfaithful to me? And, and at that moment, that moment, God had set up my life to where I didn't want. I would experienced good things. I experienced a, a good faithful, a good ward that I clicked with people in. And at that moment in time, I, I did not want it anymore. Life, my life was out of control and I wanted to become clean. And many times before that, I wanted to. I wanted out, but there was no way out for me. There was no way. Because if I shared it, life was over as I knew it. My family was gone. Mm -hmm. So without necessarily so much thinking, I just begged and pleaded with God. And I said, God, um, please, 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 the whole ride home, um, let me please keep my family. And at that time, it was all about me, right? It was about me keeping my family. It didn't have anything to do with the pain that she felt or was going to feel. So I went home and, and met her at the house. We went up into our bedroom, and, and I, I shattered her world, and I told her the truth. I told her as much as I could remember at that time because it was a long list. I told her what my life had been like, the life that she wasn't aware of. And that was the place where the healing actually could start to begin. And the problem was, is a word, the world that she wasn't even aware of. Alana, do you want to add anything to that that I maybe have missed? So the thing is, is he thought for sure that his marriage would end. And he had every reason to think that because I told him, if you ever cheat on me, if you go back to this and you lie about it, we're done. I'm done. And I, and I truly believe that, but I have since learned that you don't know what you're going to do in a situation until something's put in front of you. And so when Luke came home that day, I remember calling him and he worked about 40 minutes away. And when I called him because he had gotten the email and I said, do you want to talk about this over the phone or do you want to come home? And he said, I'm on my way home. And in that moment, I knew life as I knew it was over. 
So I waited for that 40 minutes for him to drive home. And I just sat there and, uh, and waited wondering what, what was about to be placed in front of me. Now at the time I was within weeks of delivering our fifth baby. So it was a really inconvenient timing, but I remember almost it being a surreal experience. And I don't say surreal as in beautiful, but surreal as in I had this peace about me. And as he told me these awful, awful things, I was so calm and I asked questions and, um, and I got the information I needed. And then I said, okay, I need you to leave because I need to process this. And I watched his car drive away down the street. And um, I went in my closet and I lost it. I literally fell to the floor and just sobbed. And I describe it as um, I felt like someone had taken a sledgehammer and just hit me and I shattered in 10 million pieces. And, um, and I laid there and I cried for a while. And then I have four kids and I'm pregnant and uh, realized I can't lay here all day. My kids need me. And so I got up and I went and took care of kids needs. And, and I thought that it, instantly I would have said, we're done. We're getting a divorce. But I was in such a state of shock. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. And um, that night I went to the temple when I could get someone to watch the kids. And I went to the temple expecting God to give me this huge revelation of a plan. Because how could something like this happen without God having some kind of plan for me? And I got to the temple and I ended up being late for the session. And I just sat in the parking lot and cried and thought, how unfair is this that traffic, we lived in Seattle, traffic was awful. But I should have made it and I didn't. But that time that I sat there in the parking lot just praying and even just being in the parking lot, an answer came to me. And it was weight. And I was like, are you kidding me? What am I supposed to do with weight? Mm -hmm. Like, tell me to stay. Tell me to go. Tell me. I don't care how hard the path is. Just tell me what to do and I will do it. But wait. So that was a little hard to chew. But I did. I, um, I decided to not make any immediate decisions. But I knew because of the trauma I was experiencing, I couldn't be around my husband. I needed to just take care of my kids and take care of myself for a little bit. And I actually ended up having a blessing that said, as long as he was home and in the comfort of his home and having the comfort of me nearby, he would never get better. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that confirmed what I'd already was feeling. So I said, you need to move out and it's going to be a year or two. So find an apartment, sign a lease and move out. And he did, and he moved out, and we were separated. It ended up only for being um, about four months that we lived separately. Yeah. Can we talk about that for just one second, the move out part? Yeah, please. So I think um, for me, Alana talks about having a plan. For me, it was a different kind of same situation, which was, okay, God, I just told you, I just did it. I did the thing that I didn't want to do. Now, now what does it look like? 
So Alana says, you need to leave. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. I, sh- I should leave. But what does that look like for me? And I remember being a Monday night, uh, ironically, it was a family home meeting of sorts and told the kids one by one. Um, there's little, there's little. Told them one by one that um, because of choices I'd made, I was going to be leaving. And wasn't sure for how long, but it'll leave and, and just, you know, it's hard for kids to understand and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I remember jumping in the car and I had all my stuff in the back seat and it was like, I don't know where I'm going, you know, homeless, right? I don't just homeless, but I don't, I don't know where I'm going. So I literally drove around for two hours, like processing what that was going to be like. And I'm like, what does this look like? So why did I even bring it up? Why did I even say it? Like, I've just obviously rocked my wife's world. Why did I bring it up? And it was that processing that having to figure it out and ultimate humility of that rock bottom of, and I remember after driving around for two hours, getting a negotiating with a person at a hotel for a lower price so I could afford to stay there for five days. That's as long as I could do it. Um, and I walked in the door and opened up the door and I sat down and then, it, and then it hit and then it hit. It was like, look what you did. Like, look what happened. I remember Satan being very real and very there at that moment. And I remember being on, being on the, f- um, kneeling down on the floor in the middle of the hotel room and just praying. I'm just like, God, I don't know where you're at. I don't, I don't know what it is, but, and I remember just falling over in the hotel room. And that was the moment that was like the healing had to start to begin. And it, but it had to be like, um, this is, this is wow. So much bigger than that. Every plan that I thought I could have to figure this out did not exist at that moment. And it had to go, had to start right there. Well, and in, in, for so many years I had been Luke's, I don't want to say savior, but I was always scooping in to save the day. And in this case, it was so big that I just said, I, I don't care if you sleep in your car. you got to go figure this out. You and God go figure this out. I can't do this for you. But that I, I've learned was one of the greatest gifts that I was able to give Luke is to stop stepping in and helping and saving him so that he could learn where to turn. When I stopped getting in the way, he turned to his Savior in a way that he never has before, as did I. We both had to because we both were lost. One of the other gifts that she gave that I didn't wasn't aware of was as I was a guy that had to be perfect in other people's eyes. So Alana, rather than hiding it and not sharing it with people, mostly because we thought we were going to get divorced, or she thought it was, it was like, hey, world, this is what's going on. This is what happened. There was no hiding it. And for the most part, right? And that being a part of my healing, not being able to hide anymore, had to happen in my mind. It was very, very important that I could not, it was not possible to put on this, this uh, mask that I had my stuff together. It was, it was a gift that she gave me because that's who she is. She was just like, hey, here it is. I'm not going to hide it. I, I did think that we were going to get divorced. I, I was willing to wait and see what God had in store, but I fully expected for us to get divorced. But I, I went to ARP for a while, and, and, it, and it was good. It helped, but I still was just so broken. Months later, I, I was just, all of the things that I used to do in life, like it, life became survival mode. And 
I don't even know how I saw Maurice's blog in the beginning, something on Facebook where I think I ended up downloading one of his eBooks and, um, somehow he sent me an email that said something like, Hey, how did you find us? And he ended up telling me about worth group. So it was like kind of this weird chain of events, how I finally found the worth group, but the worth group being led by a therapist was, I felt like I would got to this water, this well, and I was like dying of thirst and I just drank it up. I just felt myself for the first time really beginning to heal. And, um, there was so much pain there. It was so raw. And I remember being even a year into it and I'm like, why am I not healed yet? Mm-hmm. I've been at this a year. But then if I looked back, I was so much further than I was six months ago. And I always I think, think about, I always think about you, Alana, saying nobody got your pain, right? Nobody understood. Neighbors would come over and mom would come over and, and dads would call, but nobody got your pain, right? But those ladies did. Yeah, for the first time I felt people really understand and people would try to bless their hearts they would try but there was just something about somebody else who had walked a similar path that was so comforting and um so for me that that was invaluable that's where the healing began and realizing that that it was my own path of healing i had my path of healing to do and luke had his path of healing to do and when we got far enough along, which took a lot longer than I thought it would, then we actually could start working on our marriage again. Mm -hmm. But that took a long time because Maurice gives an analogy of burn victims that we both are burned bad. When we got too close, when we were still burned, we'd rub our burns against each other and it was ugly. It hurt both of us so bad. So we learned through trial and error that we each needed to heal to a certain degree before we could come back together. And Alana, when she joined Worth, um, she never told me what to do with recovery. Her, our entire marriage, because I didn't really show up, I basically was Alana tell me what to do in all of our marriage. You know, like, hey, should I take this job? You know, hey, what do you think about this? Am I good at being a dad? Everything that was worth anything came from her. So when this all happened, she was not going to be that person anymore for me. And that was very important. And one of the things that she said, she says, Hey, by the way, there's a group called men of Moroni. And at that point in time, I was like, I'll try anything, you know, I'll, I'll just give me a, give it to me. I'll try it. So I jumped into men of Moroni and, um, I'd been to ARP like Alana mentioned she did. I saw a therapist and the therapist was absolutely fantastic. Just amazing. But when I joined men of Moroni, I remember getting on and, you had to get on this, uh, your computer and you, it was like the first time I ever got on, it was like Skype, but the Brady bunch where you saw a whole bunch of faces. And uh, I remember it was scary getting on there the first time. And I was like, what am I, what am I doing? And, and, uh, why is that guy sitting on his couch? And why is that guy laying on his bed? And like, and just like people were just in their own homes, you know, doing this meeting. And all of a sudden, like, by the time I left that first meeting, I was like, these guys are real and these guys really want it. Like I want it. They really want to keep their families. They really want to do anything they possibly can to, to get their relationship with God back. And it was this group of guys that would um, call each other out. I remember guys actually going back and forth and one guy got 
um, was passionate. He's like, I haven't seen you in two weeks. Like, where have you been? Like, you're not going to survive unless you come to these meetings. And it was just intense vigor about recovery that I, like Alana mentioned, I was thirsty for. I was like, I want people to care about this like I care about this. And it was a brotherhood. It felt good. It felt really good. That is awesome. Can you tell us just a little bit more about that? Because before our interview started, you talked about three kinds of healing, and I want you to be really clear on that. So talk a little bit more on that. So um, the three kinds of healing really boil down to first, I needed healing. Whether Luke was going to get better or he wasn't, whether we were going to stay married or we weren't, I had a path of healing that I had to take. And I didn't know what that would look like, but I knew that even if we divorced, that if I wasn't careful, I'd probably go up and marry another guy who had this problem. I knew that I had to find healing for so many levels or so many reasons. And at so many levels, I needed the healing. And then Luke needed healing. He, he literally was sick and he needed healing. And then our marriage was its own unit that needed healing. We had throughout the years to keep the addiction alive, fallen into really unhealthy patterns that I didn't even know were unhealthy. And that marriage needed healing. And, and I have since learned things that I thought were okay aren't part of the way God created marriage to be. And the, and the beauty of it is the longer we have been out this, the more I'm seeing a marriage evolve that I didn't know really existed. I, I had no hope in the beginning for us. I had no hope for Luke. I remember getting on Google, and this is ridiculous, I know, but I got on Google basically asking, is there hope for a sex addict? And all these people are like, nope. Once he's a dog, he's always a dog, and awful things that people would say, and I felt so hopeless. But I am here to testify that through the miracle, and it literally is a miracle of the Savior's atonement, there is absolutely hope. And that hope comes from the fact that I can be healed and that my husband can be healed and that our marriage can be healed. And it's still hard. We still have to learn and grow and we still are doing recovery work regularly two and a half years later. But I genuinely like the guy and I love him and I never, ever, ever want to have to walk that dark path again but I am grateful for where our marriage is today. So there is hope. If both people are willing to work and fight for it and through the atonement, there's hope. So Alana, did you have any idea just how much you'd have to fight for it? No, <laughs> no. And if someone would have told me in the beginning how hard it was, and how much work it would be, I don't know if I would have wanted to sign up for it. Yeah. But the truth is, is it, it, if we divorced, it would have been a hard path. If we stayed together, it would have been a hard path. There is no easy path at this point. So someone listening to this, I keep having the thought that they'll be thinking, really? Like, how do you know? How do you know you're healed? You know, I hear that a lot about 
even sons, how do you know that they're going to have all these things in their life that you've hoped for? Because this is never going to go away. Like, how do you maintain a place of hope and healing? How do you do that? Do you want to take that one, Luke, or do you want me to? Um, changing my expectation around what, what healing looks like, I think, was the biggest thing. Um, I want it fixed. I want it fixed, and I want it fixed fast, and I was willing to do whatever it took. If you said, okay, in order to get fixed, you need to walk around the world. Okay, cool. I'll do it. I'll do it as fast as I can, right? I'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. But healing wasn't what I thought it would be. So my expectation, and what I've learned to do is, is unlike the first time that Alana caught me with um, pornography, was is I don't expect to be perfect for the rest of my life. It's okay for me to make mistakes. Progression is really important. Learning and owning my stuff and being transparent is, is, is very, very important. Perfection is not the, it's not what I'm looking for. So that healing is, I'm going to drop the expectation with what healing looks like for me. And I'm just going to give it to God. So I'm going to do what I can. So how are you transparent, Luke? How do you make it so that Alana can feel like, okay, I'm trusting our healing here? Mm. That's a good question. How am I transparent? Well, first of all, she's given me some, she doesn't have to do this, but I appreciate this about her. She's given me boundaries. What kind of husband says is I'm glad that I have boundaries, right? But I am. I'm glad she has boundaries. So she's come up with, because I'm an addict, she's come up with some very clear lines of, of in order for her to feel safe, in order to, for us to stay together, this is what looks like. One of them is, is if I tell a lie because I'm, because I'm, I'm an addict to deceiving. I, I deceive. That's what I've learned. That's behavior I've ingrained in my brain in order to have my addict, my addiction flourish. It is I have a certain period of time if I if I miss if I don't tell the truth to come back and say, hey, here's here's the truth. I want to get better. I want to change. This is actually what's happened. And if I do other things, you know, even to the point of acting out with masturbation or pornography, there is there's clear guidelines of what that looks like for us. And it doesn't involve, I mean, if I'm not progressively, and help me out with this, Alana, but if I'm not progressively getting better, yeah, our marriage won't cease to exist. But if I, if I make mistakes, we can still continue to go on. So I just have to own it. And that, that takes away Satan's power. That takes away the lie. Because my lack of what the future looked like and knowledge, which is normal, of if I make mistakes, it's over, that really wasn't true. And I found that out, just found it out way too late or too long. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Is that, would you add anything else to that, Alana? Like what have you, what kind of boundaries have you set up uh, for yourself and that you've noticed, hey, this has helped us a lot? Um, boundaries as a whole are crucial. I didn't understand the concept of boundaries when I first heard about them. It seems so foreign to me that a relationship would need boundaries. And it almost seemed like I was creating them for punishment. But I have since learned that all healthy relationships, whether in marriage or in work or in families or friendships, have boundaries. And it's what you're willing to accept and not accept. And I love my boundaries because I know at the end of the day that I am keeping myself safe. But for me, even beyond the boundaries is I've worked really hard to stay connected to God and I can feel when Luke is off 
I think before he can even feel it. And, and when I see that, I kind of, I watch, I kind of just pull back and kind of watch behaviors. And like Luke was saying with perfection, I don't expect him to be perfect, but I, I do watch that I, that he is progressing. So the mistakes that he makes today are not anywhere like the mistakes he made before. Um, it could be losing his temper or something like that, where um, to him that may be considered a slip versus the pornography masturbation. So he's constantly growing and progressing. But with your initial question on like, how do you know when someone is healed? I think is, is a great question, but it's almost like a loaded or dangerous question because then you're looking for that line of like, okay, I'm good. I don't need to try anymore. And, and this life is constantly striving to always become better. You're always trying to be a little better. I think it was um, President Hinckley that said, try a little harder to be a little better. And each day we're working on that and moving forward. And so with addictions, those pathways are there. And I know that Luke could slip back into them if he's not trying. We could be 10 years down the road and he could do that. And I could live my life in fear, which I did for a long time of all these coulds. Mm -hmm. Yes, he could fall back into that. And I couldn't make myself go crazy living in the fear of the future. And I couldn't make myself go crazy living in the chaos of the past. So I've really learned and God has helped me to be in the present. And so when I feel myself fearing for the future or spinning in the past, I go, okay, what is it I see today? Today I see that he is working hard. He is going to recovery meetings. He is literally fighting for his recovery. And that's truthfully like how I can stay in this marriage. That's truthfully how I can keep moving forward and, and be okay. And also with the future as God has helped me through a path that was so incredibly dark that if heaven forbid, he does go back to his addiction, I'm going to be okay. I don't know if our marriage would be okay, but I don't have to worry about that right now. I don't have to go there. I know today that I am close to God. He is close to God. And, and that's what we focus a lot on. She even says that word right now, by the way, Karen, to talk about one thing that she said was, is she said she'll notice when I'm off. Oh man, that word, I really struggle with it because Satan gets in my, my head and, and she'll mention, Hey, you, you seem a little off. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm not, I'm not off. Like I'm see what I'm doing. See how hard I'm trying. Like see the meetings I'm going to, you know, and it's like, and what I want to say is, is to anybody that listens to this, um, for the spouse, for the wife, trust yourself. Trust yourself. God gave you intuition. He gave you your ability to be able to make your, know whether you feel safe or not, whether you well, should. Yeah, right? and for so many years, I turned that off. I turned intuition off because my husband and his addiction was so good at convincing me 
that what I was seeing and what I was feeling wasn't correct. They had to. And so I turned that intuition off. And it, and so I've been learning again how to be in tune with myself and to trust myself. That's definitely been on the journey of healing and so needed. I felt, I now looking back at it, I really I feel a lot of remorse for the chaos that Alana was in. Because what she wanted to do is she wanted to believe that her husband, me, was the man that she hoped I was being. And uh, so she'd get these feelings, because I remember her talking about it, like something's not right here. And But the place she'd go to for seeing if it was right or not was me. And she'd go ask me and be like, hey, what? not saying there's anything wrong with asking. But she'd go for me and she'd look for me to validate her. Well, me as an addict... A lot of times I didn't really know where I was at. If I was off, I didn't miss, I didn't, I didn't get it. But Satan had an amazing, he had, he had me flax and cord and he had me the ability to be able to spin to where I would do anything to protect myself. I would do anything to protect myself. So whatever I could say was it. And even if I didn't know I was doing it, I was still doing it. So that's where I'm just, just like with any of the spouse out there, just trust yourself and, and don't go to him for, validation that everything's okay you know go see somebody that can help just get yeah we both used to turn to each other you know in the beginning i was constantly trying to save the day for luke or i would turn to him for the validation or for those answers and even though i was close to god luke was right up there with him on who i turned to and and i i learned we both learned that God needed to be our primary source of inspiration, our primary source of strength. And we both, just through years of being married, were completely out of balance. Wow. All right. This is so beautiful. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I'm going to let you have the last word. So um, if you were thinking, you know what? There are couples out there in the same situation or a woman that's where I was at or a man that's where I was at um what what's something you would just love to just say I'd like to just say this to you go on um to the woman I would say if you're in the beginning and it feels darker than you ever knew was possible and heavier than you think you can possibly bear. You're not alone. There are so many women out there who get you and seek for that help and never give up. Just keep moving forward because I promise there are brighter days ahead. And in the beginning, you're going to feel like you're walking this dark path and you're just fumbling and tripping and reaching out, trying to feel for anything. But God will start to send you little stars and you'll have little glimpses of light. And soon that sun will start to rise again and it will feel like it's taking forever. But there's happiness ahead. No matter what your path looks like, no matter what your husband's choices are, you can find healing and there's happiness ahead. Love that. Um, I would just say, if you for the for guys out there, jump. Just when you 
fill that when you're so done with your addiction and you've lost over and over and over again and you're tired of it and you want to be that person that you thought you want to be that person that you you hope you are and you want to be that person your wife thought she married just jump just be it's okay to be scared it's okay to not know what's going to happen just take that leap and just go and just give it to god and just go here it is. Here's, here's, here's what's going on and, and just trust. And, and it's, it's scary. I know, but at the end of the day, God's got a plan for all of us. And he's just, he's waiting for us to just, just do that. Just let him just jump and just go, I don't want to do it anymore. And it's okay to be scared, but just give it to him. And see what happens and just see what happens. Cause you know, you can't keep living like this. I mean, you know, it's how painful it is. So just let it go. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Alana and Luke. Thank you.